When I met with the family the other day, I wanted to find out if there were any particular scriptures I could share. I said, what scriptures did he love? And their response was, all of them. So, sit down and get comfortable. This is going to take a while. Jim took comfort from the Word of God. He found his peace and he found his hope there. And so we go to God's eternal Word today. These are the words of Jesus from the night before he died. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus told his, told his friends, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Possibly the first words of comfort written in the Christian Bible. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then these are the words of the Apostle John, his final vision from Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Father, we are very aware that we are in shock. And we are reeling from our grief. We feel entirely powerless. And when we try to find words to comfort and console each other and ourselves, we realize just how empty our words are. And so we come to your eternal word, knowing that as Isaiah reminds us, the grass withers, the flowers fade, 
that the word of the Lord stands forever. We find hope today from Jesus' promise that he is preparing a place for us in your house. We find encouragement and we offer encouragement and with Paul's vision of your son's return and the reality that death will not be the end for anyone who's found in him. And we find what is currently for us an unbelievable promise. That a day is coming when grief and tears will no longer be a part of our experience. And until that day, we hold on to you. We hold on to each other. Bless us as we mourn today that we might feel your comfort and the comfort of those around us. And we thank you for Jim. We, we come honoring his life, honoring you as the giver of life, and honoring your son Jesus as the redeemer of life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friend Jared came to speak here at Kansas Christian Church two weeks ago. Jared's not a missionary. He, he's not one of those traveling preachers that goes around. Jared works for an organization called Christian Financial Resources. CFR helps churches if they need loans for buildings or to do something different. They also help ministers with their retirement plans because sometimes we get retirement plans. And Jared's my money guy. And we got done with church, and we were saying goodbye, and Jim Webb came up to me and said, are you taking him out to lunch? And I said, Jim, he's taking me out to lunch. That's his job. And Jim slipped me a $50 bill and said, no, you take him out to lunch. I said, Jim, <laughs> it's like your seed corn guy, right? He's got to take you out to lunch. That's his job. I can't buy him lunch. You take him out to lunch. So I guess what I'm saying is I've got 50 bucks on me. <laughs> you could not tell Jim Webb not to give. You could not convince him not to care. It was in his very nature to care for others, and I don't need to tell you that. That's why you're here today, because Jim Webb cared for you. He helped you. And so what I want to tell you today is why. Why Jim Webb cared. He cared for you because Jesus cares for you. Now there's a passage in one of Paul's letters, the letter to the Philippians, where Paul tells us a little bit about himself and his motivation. And Paul tells us about who he was before Christ. Before Christ, he was very proud. Before Christ, he had his own power. He, he had things that, that, that gave him certain power and certain abilities. He had things that gave him certain privilege and who he is in coming to Christ, since coming to Christ, he is now a servant. And that was Paul's whole goal in life, to serve Christ, to know Christ, and to make Christ known to others. And I want you to hear these words and listen for something of our friend as Paul talks about himself. Beginning in First Corinthians, or excuse me, Philippians 3, verse 7. Paul says, Whatever gain I had, I count as a loss. For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul tells us that anything that he had achieved in life is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. And I hear something of my friend Jim in that. I think Jim Webb put flesh and bone and blood and tears to Paul's greatest desire. And more than that, he showed us he showed us that that how we live he showed us how to live our lives and and how to care for others. And Jim showed us that in the way that he served. Jim did a lot of things for other people. And you know that. And a lot of the things that Jim did for others we'll never know because he didn't do it for any recognition. Jim would not boast. Jim would not draw attention to himself. So he served quietly. He served without recognition. We have a water softener in this church. Makes the water really nice. And we've never bought a single bag of water softener salt in this church because Jim made it his job to make sure that the softener was always full. He took care of the water softener. For years, Jim cared for his neighbor Marie as, as though Marie was his own mother. The kids have stories of Jim driving, making long drives to fix cars, to fix brakes, and even fix a dome light that just seemed to come on all by itself, we'll say. Run batteries down. If he knew how to help, and if he could help, Jim would help. Verse 7 again, Paul, Paul writes there in verse 7, whatever gain I had, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain, I want you to think about that, whatever assets Paul might have had, people pay attention to our assets. Today we work hard, we build wealth, we try to achieve more, but Paul says anything that was to me a gain was really expendable because what truly mattered to me, what truly matters to me is knowing Christ. Jim Webb served others to show us what Jesus is like. And there are so many ways that Jim served. We could all share stories today of things Jim did for us. Don and Terry Shane couldn't be here today, but Don and Terry sent a message, and they talked about when they came to Kansas to the Methodist Church. And when they first arrived there, Terry wrote, Jim, along with so many other willing workers, made sure that the church parsonage was ready for the Shane gang's arrival. Jim took care of many repairs over the years to our home and to our cars. He didn't do those things for attention. He didn't do it for notoriety. Or, and he didn't do it so that you'd do the same for him. He did it because he wanted to point you to Jesus. Jim's greatest desire was that we know Jesus and make sure that, that you know Jesus also. And we heard that in the way that Jim spoke to us. I would get phone calls. I would look at my cell phone. It would be ringing and it'd say, Jim Webb. And I would slide it over and I would say, hello, Jim Webb. And the voice on the other end would always say, hi, Brett, this is Jim. <laughs> I don't think he understood voice, uh, caller ID. And I would say, is it? <laughs> hi, Jim. People have commented about Jim, how soft-spoken he was and how sincere he was. Those are qualities that we heard from him. But more than that, in his speech, Jim wanted us all to hear Jesus. Paul writes in verse, in verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. (laughs) Your Bible translators love you and your Bible translators do their best to clean things up and make things presentable when, when when they aren't always. That word rubbish there. It, it, it means okay. It means human waste, but it's not the polite word. It's the word that Jim Webb would not have used. Okay, in Greek, it's skubalo. If you really want to know, it's a Greek word, and it, it's not polite. And Paul just seems to have reached his end, and he throws that word out there and uses it. It's a word that Jim would not have used. But in a world where people seem to get noticed for being loud. A world where people get noticed for being loud, for being rude, for being offensive, for talking over others, and for shocking the world with the filth that comes out of their mouth, you're here because Jim Webb spoke kindness to you. You're here because in his soft-spokenness, you saw that his strength and his forcefulness did not come from the way he used his speech. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says all of those things that the world sees as necessary qualities to prove how strong you are, He says, they're worthless to me. And instead, I want to know Jesus and make him known. There's so many ways that Jim made Jesus known through his speech. When Jim asked you how you were doing, he listened. He really wanted to know how you were doing. And he would follow up with you. You said this, is that still? And yes, he would would have that, he would remember those conversations. The things that he said were kind. He said things that were caring and encouraging. And you could trust this. When he spoke about you to someone else, he was saying kind things about you. Here at our church, Jim served as an elder and he would very often lead communion and offer communion meditations. And he would call me up. And I was, Cindy, you, you had to listen to a lot of those. And he would call me up and say, is this okay? Is that Okay. I said, Jim, anything you do is going to be fine. He worried, and he would, he would skip my Sunday school class, and he would practice his communion meditation over and over again. He, he worked on those. He wrote out his meditations. He wrote out his prayers. And I have told the people of this church over and over again, write out your prayers, because someday your children will want to read your prayers. These kids are reading their dad's prayers now. It means the world to them if Jim encouraged you if he spoke kindly to you if he spoke kindly about you it was to point you to Jesus Jim's greatest desire was to know Jesus and make sure that you knew him also and we also saw that we saw that in the way that Jim shared with others one thing that the family stressed with me the other day is over and over again people have commented about what a good man Jim was. Oh, what, a, what a good man. Walk on water, as they'd said about Bruce also. And, and, and Jim wouldn't want any of that attention. Bruce wouldn't have wanted any of that attention. Jim didn't do good things so that you would know that he was a good man. He, he did good things to tell you that we have a good Savior. We have a good God. And he would want you to see God's goodness through him. Paul wraps up this section in verses 9-11 through 11, that Paul's desire was to be found in Jesus, to, fa- to be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. 
that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's share in Christ, Paul shared in Christ's suffering. Jim, Jim shared with others. Jim's sharing was intentional, too. That, that $50 bill that he handed me two weeks ago, there was always a $50 bill in his wallet. He kept it behind his license. It was always there just in case somebody would have a need. And it was not unusual for some need to be mentioned here at church and for Jim to hand off a, a $50 bill. He would, he would just pass that on. That there was purpose in the way that he shared. He was prepared to share. Paul here wants to share in Christ's suffering. The, the word that's used there for share, it's, uh, it, I don't want to be... I don't want to do all Greek here, but it's koinonia. Some of you guys probably recognize that from, from church. It, it's the word for, we use it to describe the church, the fellowship. Koinonia, it means it's something that we all share together. It defined who the church was in the first century. It should continue to define us today. But that's the word that Paul uses because it, he's sharing in what we all share with. We all share Christ. We all suffer. We all hurt. We all have pains and heartache. And when we realize that we share in those hurts, then we can also share in the helps. If you received a gift from Jim Webb, it was to point you to Jesus. And the difficult part for me as I've looked at this passage this week is that what Paul looks forward to in this passage, Jim Webb has already received. What Paul desires above all else, Jim has already received those promises. Verses 10 and 11 that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, and I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He's there. He's there with Jesus. His prize is, is right before Him. What about you and me, though? What about us? What do we do now? Paul goes on in verses 12-14, through 14, and he says, not that I've already attained this, or not that I'm perfect. And Jim would tell you that. Not that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jim would want us to press on toward the goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, the promise of heaven, the promise of eternity. And he would want you to know that that promise isn't for just for some day, long, long, long time from now. And that promise isn't just for that one horrible day that you'll share together with those that you love. That promise of heaven is here and now. That promise... The peace of heaven can be yours right now. The peace of knowing God's forgiveness. The peace of an eternal hope. And the peace of the love of Jesus Christ. So, I still have my $50 bill. I tucked it away. Kept it with me. It's going to go behind my license and my wallet. And I'm going to watch for somebody. Eric, you don't look so good. You, you doing okay? I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch for somebody who needs help. I'm going to do that because my friend showed me. 
how important it is to share with others. How important it is to speak kindly of others and to serve others. Because my friend showed me what Jesus is like. I want you to listen to how Paul finishes these thoughts. Listen to these final verses from this passage and listen for the echoes of our friend. Verses 17 through 21. Brothers, join me in imitating. Join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many whom I've often told you and now tell you again with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray. Father, we've been blessed by knowing Jim. We have been blessed to have a true and genuine friend, someone who cared for us, someone who encouraged us, someone who always looked for the best in us, and someone who constantly pointed others to your Son. And what the Apostle Paul wrote of as his hope, we know has become Jim's sight. And just as he sought to form his life in the image of Jesus, he has now been transformed by Christ's power. But comfort us as we grieve. Stand near this family and surround them with your saints and with friends who will grieve with them and offer them strength. But in our grief, help us never to lose sight of the Savior Jim held to. And as our brother did his best to imitate Jesus, let us now see his example as our call, that someone might know Jesus' love through the love that we show them, through the way we serve, through the way we speak, through the way we share. And we thank you for a life that was well lived, a life that honored your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.